Hello and welcome to the GC Call. This is a podcast we're bringing to you from Gulf Capital, the leading alternative investment firm in emerging markets from North Africa to Southeast Asia. I'm Nabil Ismail, Executive Director. And I'm Alvaro Abella, Managing Director in the Private Equity Team. Think of the GC Call as a window into the investment process. In addition to our own expertise, you'll hear from other regional investors, entrepreneurs, and management teams, as well as advisors who participate in the overall process to demystify it together. We're joined today by Mohamed Khalifa, Group CFO of Middle East Glass, to talk about debt refinancing. In addition to steering the company through multiple devaluations of the Egyptian pound, Khalifa also led Meg's debt refinancing with the IFC and CIB as a way of securing the company's balance sheet. We'll talk about the process and toolkit CFOs need to navigate troubled waters we're seeing today. Khalifa, Egypt is in turmoil. I don't know if that's the way I want to start this, but... Uh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so interest rates are shooting up, devaluation. What else? Potentially additional devaluation. Uh, it's uh, it's a very important time, you know, for uh, CFOs to uh, rise and shine, and you've done exactly that. Um, can you tell us a bit more, living living today in in that environment, uh, what you're going through when it comes to interest rates, inflation, devaluation? Actually, the 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 last two years was was not uh, seen before. Yeah, we have never experienced uh, such changes in the in the economies, uh, in in Egypt and partially uh, in the world economy as well, uh, the key the key issue that uh, market in Egypt are suffering from is the uh, sometimes what we call the uncertainty. Uh, for example, when we are talking about the uh, interest rates, interest rates are following the global interest rates uh, rises uh, especially in the us uh, however in the us now it's reaching more than five percent for libor uh, in egypt now it's around 20 percent uh, the the corridor rate that has been announced by the central bank 20 percent is is a very high rate that we haven't seen here and makes a lot of pressure on the business in terms of cost of cash uh, to operate or to grow. Uh, in addition, of course, since Egypt is, is an importer country uh, and depends on, on high imports uh, for its uh, daily and even and industrial activities, majority of, of, of the inputs are imported. So the ambiguity we have with the so the price of the currency or the currency rate uh, that is changing uh, around four times with dramatic changes in the last 12 months. So these these things or these uh, uh, uncertainty are, are impacting majority of the businesses and create additional inflation uh, on the market because majority of the consumer products are highly priced or or not fairly priced because of these uncertainties. Maybe a lot of young CFOs haven't really gone through this, like it's the first time, especially for a lot of startups out there. But from your experience, you've, you've already lived this back in 2016 when the devaluation happened. And we've gone through a, a very interesting journey with Middle East Glass, 
where we had to refinance uh, our debt from EGP debt to dollar debt. And obviously we had a good amount of export that supported that uh, change. Uh, can, can you walk us through what happened back then and the role of the CFO, and, uh, specifically your role in, in, in restructuring that whole debt and what it meant for the company and how we've gone through pretty much the same issues that a lot of you know younger CFOs are going through nowadays. The, the difference in the situation between 2016 and now that it was once and then the, 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 the whole environment stabilized gradually, but it was, there were no further changes or there were no further uncertainties following the decision. Even not only young CFOs, majority of the CFOs hasn't experienced this before. <laughs> uh, and the key, uh, the key success for, for us at that point of time was, was having an export base. Uh, so export base is, is, is the, is a real defense for, for any business out of these uh, currency fluctuations. Sorry, Khalifa, and uh, to interject here, but I guess some of the audience that might be listening would be interested in also understanding what tool sets as a CFO do you use and what the what kind of tools, how had the, those tools changed from 2016 to today in 2023, specifically around cost management, you know, with a high inflation rate, high interest rates uh, going up, what are the kind of tool sets that you have used in the past and you believe that they're still effective today or maybe not? 2016, as, as I said, it was a one-shot devaluation. The interest rates was not as high as now. It was a bit less, like uh, 400 basis points. In terms of cost management, the market quickly adapt all its prices uh, in terms of cost and selling price uh, because of the stability happened after the devaluation. And this is this is the real difference. In 2016, we already were expecting this because in 2014-15, there were a huge shortage in the market in the US dollar and we were expecting a devaluation. We couldn't really estimate how much we were expecting this. So every, I would say, proper CFO has already planned their cash availability, liquidity, their uh, debt or leverage ratios that he he needs to to count on and in addition to this he understand his cost components and where where he can really make some savings and what uh, or controls i wouldn't like the word cost saving rather than cost control because saving maybe once but next next time you can you couldn't do it but when you control things and you understand really the cost structure of the business and where we can you generate uh, additional margins or additional profits, that's that's really a key. Management managing the the leverage between debt and and internal cash, uh, either for working capital or for capex. Uh, identifying your cost details or cost structure, especially for imported materials with with a high or high volatility in the foreign currency uh, rates, you need to understand your dependence on, on foreign material and how can you compensate this uh, in terms of, of if you can replace with the, with the local materials, 
This really, this is really not really the case for Middle East gas, by the way, because we have to import some clean raw materials that is not available in the local market. In the local market, but the tool was uh, we started post the devaluation that having a, a kind of a formula uh, that is uh, sharing the risk of volatility of prices and and the uh, inflation between ourselves and our customers actually uh, my i have a very good experience uh, on learning how we partner with our customer in middle east class partnering with them for for ages and ages yani the relationship between middle east glass and and majority of the customers are 10 15 years minimum this give us a real a real edge in de- when dealing with customers in in having uh, an open book or full transparency in terms of cost structure and also understand their business constraints and their market constraints and we are supporting industries and our majority of the our industries are consumer based so so understanding their needs their pressure help us also in uh, using a good pricing tools uh, and also managing the risk between both of us and having a real partnership with them that makes our business uh, quite sustainable Maybe if you can just go back to the IFC story uh, and just walk us through that actual experience, because in in that specific case, we had I, I wouldn't say double whammy, maybe triple whammy of similar issues. Many companies are going through today. One was high interest rate back then, so we had a lot of debt that was local debt. We also had uh, a capex program, like we had to rebuild almost all the furnaces in the next three to four years. And on top of that, basically, uh, the, the the existing you know um, cash flow of, of the company was not sufficient to to help us with any of this. So we 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 basically worked with uh, the IFC and uh, CIB on refinancing this debt. Luckily for us, as you said, we had a good export component. But how did that go by? So maybe you can walk us through the experience. How does the company need to be what in, in what shape uh, financially, the finance function itself? Exactly, Nabil, as you mentioned, uh, the, in 2017, the company was very highly leveraged. Uh, it has a mix of, of dollar and EGP uh, debts. Uh, majority of them was medium term. And because of the devaluation, uh, it has a really a pressure on 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 the value of the debt, but uh, uh, having the cash need for capex in addition to restructure and ease the repayment of the existing debt at in 2017 at that point of time was was a challenge to convince also financial institutions like IFC or or local bankers about the ability of making this transformation of the company and grow and use them as uh, uh, business partners to grow with the business uh, was was a very big challenge uh story lasts for more than i think two years of negotiation 
uh, with all the constraints, even uh, at the la- very last stage was COVID also constraints, but uh, two years of negotiation, building the right model, getting the right security to the lenders. Uh, it was really a, a very long story, but it was successful. I think maybe uh, here also I would uh, turn to Alvaro and you can tell us your view initially, Khalifa. Uh, it feels that a lot of banks are still asset-based financing. So like even the IFC, despite the whole DFI situation, they're still predominantly looking at, you know, looking at the fair market value of that specific asset. Did we experience something similar in this occasion? And perhaps Alvaro, you can talk about our experience with other portfolio companies. Here we have two different views. CIB specifically, or the local banks in Egypt in general, they believe in investing in industries and asset-based companies. They they don't really uh, enjoy uh, partnering with trading or commercial-based companies because they don't really, they cannot really manage or, or, or feel where their, their 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 cash flow is generated and how it's it's the, the business operation is run. The IFC is 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 a, of course is largely focused on environment recently and uh, and also in, man, in 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 engaging with uh, successful industries. So Meg for them was was not a real. Uh, equity success story rather than it was a, a company that uh, provide uh, environment friendly product and also they believe that there is a this company and its success story over 40 years now is 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 a good company to invest or to share there i i agree with khalifa where you're saying it is really a case of banks here across the region relying on assets as their recourse. And that's what they really always try to secure. Uh, this is where we see more as an opportunity for alternative lending institutions, especially in the digital side, that maybe have access to the daily trading volumes, the daily sales receipts, etc. So we'll be able to better profile their customers, i.e. the small merchants, SMEs, etc., and will be able to put together products that are more suited for those type of companies. And that's where we see an opportunity actually from the lending side and how fintech will develop. We're now switching to sort of, Nabil, one of your favorite topics right around fintech. But I think, I think it is sort of a handicap in the current financial institution fabric across the region where banks are 100% focused on asset-based lending and and are not able to deviate from that i guess part in in part and parcel because of what we said before you know the recourse being on tangible set of assets and tangible things yeah i i, I tend to agree on on this front um the the risk appetite especially when when it comes to the smaller SME lending, uh, you'll get away with few working capital lines here and there for some of the smaller institutions. But as you start get going into bigger and larger, um, like medium to long-term lending uh, against cash flow, against revenue, I think the market is is still underdeveloped. 
the alternative, you know, um, financing financial institutions are coming out there, um, but they will always run into a balance sheet problem and have to rely at some point in time on bigger balance sheet on the banks who are like to be fair changing their attitude, but it's just staying, taking in this region a lot longer than than we'd like. Financial institutions also cannot afford really financing large. Uh, I would say business environments. Uh, not all of them has the capacity to 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 support this. And also, I I get, I do believe, at least in Egypt, the regulators does not allow the smaller financing institution or what we call fintech based companies. For example, we have in Egypt any some no well known companies in that regard but that is working only on microfinancing. They are not really able to engage with large industries or even medium size. But they are always looking at the regulators are put constraints uh, on, on these institutions to, to, to deal only with consumer financing or small enterprises. So what are the alternatives there? What do you see for businesses such as yourself or other uh, larger businesses in uh, industrial sectors that have the requirement of access to debt, access to capital. What are the other alternatives in this environment of also high inflation and quite frankly, retrenching of banks given the banking crisis in other parts of the world? Yeah. there is not few many alternatives left in, in 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 the market in that regard yani if you don't have banks or large institutions that is is coming there are some private equities that is doing so uh, across the region right now i think this this can be a very good alternative uh, and also uh, depends on the need of the cash uh, is it for capex? Is it for working capital? Or is it for uh, what exactly? For having an additional debt for working capital, this has many ways, alternative ways, I would say, because we can change our pricing policy, our receivable policy, our inventory policy, trying to reduce the needs and even this will give us some room because in high interest rate, as we mentioned, the amount we reduced in, in, in the debt, it saves on not only the leverage or not only securing the leverage of the company, but also it saves some cash that is paid to the lenders as interest. Uh, the, the main issue for medium and, and, uh, and long-term loans that is mainly used for as capex or asset that is generating money, here we before getting into the debt it has to be very well calculated if if this investment is on the right time is this investment have a good irr is this investment will support the company not only strategy but at least its position in the market uh, because some of these debts i would say this is outside meg but some of these debts can be postponed for a while or until you have better visibility of the market even for uh, for these businesses they can use alternatively a leasing option 
and there is a very large number of companies of leasing across all the uh, region that is actually providing some good uh, solutions to to support the companies uh, financing needs and and by leasing you're 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 talking here about leasing the uh, cogs themselves so like the, the goods that you're receiving or is it leasing something else i'm talking mainly for industries about leasing machinery or equipment or even build so suppliers like working with the suppliers exactly basically. so it could be a supplier financing and it could also be a separate leasing company that provides that exactly and uh, and you have this operating lease model and you have this financing lease model lease to buy lease to rent there are many alternatives in that regard that support the company cash needs i would say but at the end getting back to the initial thing what is our ambition? What is our uh, model and how it will rely on it? And number one, it has to be really doable and uh, and achievable. Um, so, so Khalifa, I think building on this and like, let's use a live case. So you're sitting here, you're a young entrepreneur in Egypt. Um, you have 20% plus of interest rates. Um, it's it's a very good time for you to start looking at your business model. When your gross margin, let's say, is sub 10, sub 15% and EBITDA and net income of like single digit margins, and, and you have a working capital facility, that that's recipe for disaster. I think I think it's time uh, to start reviewing the, the actual model. It's if it's even sustainable. And perhaps maybe Alvaro, you've you've gone through some of these experiences in your past life with, with some companies that were borrowing uh, and especially in an interest rate increasing environment where the cost of the interest rate was just almost was eating up all the margins. Yeah, I think uh, Khalifa just mentioned a, a very good set of recommendations. And I was going to suggest Khalifa, you know, that if uh, our audience, any CFOs or entrepreneurs, you know, want to get in touch with you, you should you should share your uh, Twitter handle. <laughs> they can reach out to you, uh, and and you can provide uh, in in you know case by case basis sort of that those recommendations. But I think everything that you mentioned regarding you know looking at the cash flow, really planning the cash flow, uh, trying to understand margin analysis, what you can play what you can do with your customers, talking to customers. I think in across our portfolio company, one of the things that we, uh, portfolio companies, one of the things we've learned is when in times of uh, volatility or uncertainty, as Khalifa was saying, if you talk to your customers, you'll find there's typically a rational view and uh, feedback on the other end. So you can usually um, leverage those relationships to sort of help you out in these uh, in these instances. No, hundred percent. I agree with Alvaro on, on what he's mentioning. Uh, on, on on what part? On you being the rock star? <laughs> oh, no, on <and>, <laughs> you sharing that you're going to share their Twitter handle so that people can get, reach out to you. Actually, uh, we are here to support anybody. So uh, let the beginnings, let the bit start. Sharing the experience is is very good for everybody. Actually, and we because in finance. Every business or every industry, I've been working for 27 years now in different industries. And uh, is not only being a CFO of industrial company means that you know everything. Even in each business sector, we have a different challenges. When I was working for a construction material company, 
the financial, the global financial crisis of 2008 happened. And that was the start. I was joining the company and immediately the global financial crisis happened and all the construction business worldwide was too, was almost a stop. FMCG is a different industry. Heavy industry like glass or steel or cement is a different business model. So sharing the experience between different people in different industries at least or in different business segments is really an asset for everybody. And it's a very good way that keep all the business and all the economy move forward. I mean, the only last thing, I w- we, we talked about the do's, but what about the don'ts? Anything you wanna just tell young CFOs out there? Like, don't do this? Like, don't share your Twitter handle. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I would, uh, the, the only thing, don't overcommit. It's very good advice. Be prudent, right? You have to no, have being a prudent pragmatic, approach of forecasting. I wouldn't com, con, uh, I wouldn't re, I wouldn't recommend being too much conservative, but don't overcommit and don't be pragmatic and put a sensitivity ratio on your plans and quite reasonable risk factor on what we can what you can do and what you cannot do. Because if you said I would do, I would say I can do one, two, three, four, and then you come at one day and you stop, you will, you will, the result will be a disaster, especially for a CFO decision, because the CFO decision is not driving his department, is driving the company. And anything else you want to add, Khalifa? Like maybe a, a saying in in uh, Egyptian, something? Hag, a haga. I think he wants to go off onto the weekend. No, 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 no. I don't think. Uh, this is an option with Meg, actually, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> uh, but uh, the last thing uh, I would say, uh, there is always a way to run things. Uh, I would say differently. So the good, th- the good way is to how to find the right way in the right time. Khalifa the philosopher. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on the episode of the GC Call with me, Nabil Ismail and Alvar Abeya. The GC Call is brought to you by Gulf Capital and is produced by Amaya Media. You can follow the show on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Rami Pocket Cast, and all of the others too. And we'll be back again in two weeks.